0: This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. Yeah, I want to introduce you a little bit. and um, So, Chris, you know, you reached out to me and you mentioned that, you know, this is something you're really passionate about. You have a lot of friends that have left, and you've watched kind of their process. And I am in a similar, you know... I'm in a similar boat. I have a lot of people that have left that are close to me, and it it um, it's kind of, I don't know, it makes you kind of evaluate your own experience and why you stay. And so you have a really awesome story. Um, just what you sent me was so incredible, and I loved it. And so I'm excited to hear the um, the live version, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd love to hear if you want to just start from the beginning and share kind of what... Um, you know, what, where it started, what, what all of that looked like. And
1: yeah, the reason I was so drawn to your podcast is because I actually had the same idea, you know, four or five years ago, Um, you know, it dawned on me as I was listening to a very close friend, go on Mormon stories and kind of just pour out their experience and just kept saying over and over like, why didn't Noah tell us this about history? And why why can't the church answer all our questions? And they just went on and on, it was four hours. And by the end of it, I just was like, you know, lost. I was just, you know, left sad and empty and uninspired. And I said, there's gotta be another solution rather than people that just pour out their soul. And what are they left with? Like they have no foundation anymore you know, I can understand if you leave and, and go to another religion and find, you know, a different faith in Christ, um, you know, find more truth. I'm a truth seeker, but to just leave uh, avoiding your life and you just walk away kind of bitter kind of uh, doesn't sit well with me. And so that's why I was passionate about, you know, a cool podcast would actually be about somebody that went through, you know, the refiner's fire. And like you described, Why do people come out stronger is because just like when I'm at the gym and I work and, uh, you know, get muscle sore and cause pain and suffering to my muscles. It's the only way to get those muscles to grow. So spiritually, in that same sense, if we have to tear down our testimony and really dig and deep and I try to ask as many questions and be curious and not think I have all the answers, um, I feel like that's how we do the. tearing down and we're able to put down roots that can you know withstand the storms that come because they are coming we've seen it um you know during covid when the prophet you know in 2020 said hey you're you're spiritually not going to be able to survive from what's coming unless you have the constant companionship of the holy ghost that word constant Um, resonated with me because I, and I look back on my life, the thing that's kept me grounded, it's spiritual consecutive, consistent spiritual experiences. Those are why I'm here today. And I feel like I'm not an anomaly. I feel like God's not a of persons, but I feel like every single individual will have those spiritual experiences. If they're looking for them, they understand how to feel the spirit. And you kind of figure out what your batting average is. And mine was really low, but I started figuring out I can act on these promptings and things were happening in my life where God spoke to me more. And I just kept acting on it and getting my batting average higher. Um, But during COVID especially, I saw that prophecy fulfilled as I saw family members, friends, just looking at a sample side for my ward and state, we lost about 10% of the church during COVID and this isn't like politically like the right my right friends decided hey this vaccine the mask mandates we're not on board with it the prophet went way too far by mandating by encouraging us to get this vaccine we're not okay with that like he went too far and they you know maybe use family sunday as family time you know they they do other things but they're not interested in coming back that put a bad taste in his mouth my friends and family on the left decided, hey, why is the prophet opening the doors for COVID? Like, it's not safe yet. Why are they opening temples? Like, I, I just see this contrast of if you're not, if you have your roots down, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you are, the prophet will offend you eventually. So you need to have those consistent consistent spiritual experiences. That's that's my testimony in that because that's how I've gotten to be where I'm at, um, you know, spiritually to to continue to ask questions and continue to have those uh, really cool experiences that keeps me grounded in the gospel. But going back to uh, my story, um, I'd, I'd like to kind of start in high school. That was kind of a pivotal time in my life because I was moving around a lot. Uh, my family was from California, um, moved here, like middle school, went to a few different schools, and then they ended up in Draper when I was 15. And I was really an insecure little kid. Um, you know, I looked like a kid. I, I you know, was super young, baby faced, um, you know, 16 years old, and, you know, just really insecure. So looking for friends, I was trying to find people that accepted me kind of, you know, gravitated to kind of a little bit of the rowdier boys. Um, And really, I, I just love making people laugh. Like if I could make you laugh, I would just do about anything to, you know, humor was kind of my way around my insecurities. So I used Tumor a lot, um, you know, made good friends, not good friends, but friends that were kind of a little bit on the fringe of the church. You know, we'd go to church, but, you know, we'd go to McDonald's during Sunday school. We just kind of checked out. We weren't that engaged. Um, I did alcohol, you know, started drinking in, in uh, about 16 years old, um, kind of would go do the weekend kind of stuff. Um, not too serious, but, you know, we, we kind of started there. And then when you are a young 16 year old drinking, you have to shoplift. And so that kind of got into shoplifting got into just little stuff that juvenile stuff that a lot of high schoolers do. You know, when I was getting towards the end of high school, I needed to break. Like there's a fork in the road and I had to choose a a different path because I saw the way my life was going to go if I stuck with these friends and it wasn't going to be the life that I wanted. And so as I kind of evaluated the people that went on missions or didn't want to go on missions, I just felt like um, it was the time when I probably needed to, you know, decide pretty quick. And I kind of jumped in, um, you know, very Uh, with no no testimony at all but like hey I'll start this process I was turning 19 that summer and so I started down the road of you know applying putting my papers in with my state president Um, and so as I started this process um, I know my the state president in the first kind of meeting with him my dad was on the head council so he knew me pretty well but he also knew who my friends were and who I was hanging around with. And, you know, I wasn't Scott clean either. So he kind of dug down and really tried to put the fear of God into me. And it worked. I was just like, I broke down and, and uh, you know, just told him everything and laid it all all my cards out to say, do I qualify or not? And when he got the word of wisdom question, I just bawled like a baby because it just hit me. That these choices have consequences. And everyone that we were all just having a good time in high school, but the people that I brought to these parties and introduced, you know, drugs, alcohol, just stuff like that. Like I did I wasn't addicted to that stuff. I just did it socially, but I didn't know the consequence of somebody that has that addiction in them that could take them on a totally different path. So it really started to set in of like those choices not only had consequences for me. But I had friends that got, you know, became alcoholics, got hooked on opioids, all those different things that started with that little party in high school. So all these people that say, oh, it's just innocent. Or I always used to say, it's not going to kill you to do it once. You don't know what kind of path it's going to take someone on. You know, when I saw the fort, I knew I had to take that harder path and it was awkward. And a lot of people, when they're coming back to the church, they're just like, I don't feel like this doesn't feel natural. This feels really awkward. That was exactly how I felt as I started going down this path, because it wasn't me. You know, I was in this group of people parents that would like pull me aside and like, please stop hanging out with my son. You're not a good influence. I was not a good kid, uh, in any sense, but I knew that if I could hang around the right people that my chameleon like personality would become, I would gain some of those attributes. So I kind of caught hold on. Like if I can just surround myself with better friends and better people, I could become somebody different than I was currently. So I I get my papers in you know, get through the state president, you know, like I get my call to West Virginia Charleston mission, which Terrell Gibbons, that's where he lives in that mission that you just interviewed. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was cool. I never met Terrell, but he was uh, a very prominent member in our mission. And the way he describes that mission field very hostile is like, that was it. Like they were, it was the Bible belt to a T. And so when I get out into to there, that was a big eye-opening experience because I I thought we were just a really strict Christian denomination. I had no idea that people like literally hated our guts and like like would go, go out of their way to like dust their feet on us and tell us you will burn in hell, you know, for what you believe. And so that was like a shocker. Like, wow, these people really don't like me um and what we stand for. So that was kind of a, a big eye-opener. For all the things that I didn't do in high school spiritually, I had to kind of play catch up, um, during that time. And so I went, I, I get through, you know, I go into the MTC in October, Russell on Ballard, like, Hey, we're going to raise the bar on missionaries. I'm like, great. I made it under the bar. Like it was perfect timing. I get out there, kind of find my way through the MTC and people, of get that i'm not like them um because one i didn't look like them i looked like i was 13 years old they're like how are you 19 i'm like i don't know it says it on my birth certificate like i promise i am but the second thing is i had no testimony like no knowledge of the gospel very little and so people are like quoting scriptures quoting you know doctrine and and uh, general authorities and like calling each other wow this guy's like Bruce mcconkey And I remember saying, who's Bruce McConkie? And everyone just laughs. They're like, are you kidding me? And I was like, no, I don't know who that is. And, you know, he's one of my favorite apostles now. But just the knowledge that I didn't have, I just felt like, man, I lost all that opportunity. And I'm going to have to figure out how to catch up to these guys because they're so far advanced spiritually than I am. And so, you know, we go through this, um, you know, MTC experience. And and really, I'm kind of like, okay, I think I'm going to do this self-doubt is like creeping in like hey you're in too deep and you've kind of taken all the steps in the gospel you went from deacon to teacher to priest now you're a missionary you may be in too deep like the thought kept saying this might be too big of a jump you don't fit in like this is, this is a big leap for where you were. This isn't just another step in the gospel. And so that's kind of how I viewed it. And so I'm sitting in a room, me and my mission or my MTC companion and this missionary, and we're sitting in this room. I don't know why we got in this room alone with this missionary, but he just wrote down and started crying and just said, Hey, guys, I'm going home. Like, this is way uh, bigger than I was expecting. Like, my parents kind of told me to go out here and try it. I've tried it for a week. I want to go home. Like, this is not for me. And so the way he described like how he was feeling was the exact same way I was feeling. I just didn't have the guts to verbalize it and actually say, Hey, I think I'm in too deep. I think I'm out. So my companion drops down to his knees and he said, we're going to get you a testimony right now, right here. So he drops down to his knees and says, we're going to pray about it. And I just sit there frozen and this guy sits in his chair and we sat there for like 10 minutes and he's begging us, please get down on your knees and pray. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And this kid's like, no, I'm not either. So like, he just gets up, and it was so awkward. And I just felt so bad because I was like, i would never prayed. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, and, and so it was just super awkward. And he gave the guy a hug, and the guy ends up going home. And I was like, wow, like that happened really fast. Like that, I was not expecting that. Like I thought we were all just having a good time in the MTC, and then you start seeing people go home like that. And you're like, starts to hit you, and you're like. Wow, this is, we're in deep here, Chris. So you've got to figure out like what, what you're doing out here. Like, why do you really believe this stuff? And so I remember saying a prayer that night, asking if the Book of Mormon is true. And I get nothing, no confirmation, just a stupor of thought. My crap. Like, I need it. I really need a, a witness right now. Did it come? So, that night I have a, a dream and i it's a very vivid dream and I can still remember it to this day. I was actually a fox running from a bunch of dogs and these hunters were on their horses and they're just chasing me. And I'm just running and running and running. And I kept hiding behind logs and I kept running more. And by the time I you know, had got miles down the road, I just couldn't outrun them anymore. And finally I just sat behind this log and I said, why are they chasing me? What do they want? I look in my lap down and there's the gold plates and I had them in my hand and I said, this is what they want. And it gave me the feeling of knowing what Joseph Smith went through, uh, how hard he fought to protect those plates. And at the end of the day, as a person that wasn't very honest, I, I got very used to lying we all have a breaking point. We all know if we're telling a lie, whether you attack me personally or my family, or for his case, you start killing his kids off by mobs attacking him. You're gonna have a breaking point where you said, "Stop! I've made it up. I'm sorry. Like, just leave me alone." And he never had that point, uh, you know, with all of the you know hostility and everyone that was attacking you. And it gave me a little perspective of what he was going through as he fought tooth and nail to protect those plates. So I thought, oh, that's cool. It's a dream. It's not burning in the bosom, but it's something. So I finished the MTC, get out in the mission field. We're knocking doors in the Bible Belt, and we're just getting hostile people. Like, people that, like, there had been no missionaries for, like, five years. We get thrown into this area, and words started circulating in this little town of, like, Mormon missionaries are in this town. We're going to drive them out. So, like, literally, we're, like, knocking doors. And there's so many people that were just, like, greet us with a smile and then say, good luck. And then they'd be like, actually, I take it back. I don't wish you good luck. You guys are are so evil. I know what you believe in. You don't believe in the same Jesus. I was not expecting this much animosity towards the church. Um, That that was the biggest shock that I started realizing, like, what have I signed up for? Like, what is this church that I'm, you know, joined and been part of my whole life? I'm out about three weeks, tracking a holler, and I see this church and a house. Well, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to go knock on the door. Literally, I don't know this, but if you ever see a church and a house, it means there's a preacher that lives there. That's what everyone knows. I have no idea. So I go up and we're starting to walk to this house. And right when we get next to the church, this guy comes down this porch and he starts screaming at us. And the first thing he said is, boys, stop right there. I cannot believe that my church didn't fall on you and kill you both. I'm that shocked. And right when he said that, I just froze. I just could not speak, and I just remember my my whole like body was shaking because I was just in shock. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, what? What does this guy know that I don't know?" And so him and my trainer just start going at it and just start yelling at each other, and, and he's just saying all this stuff about the church and Joseph Smith, and it's just it was so much that I couldn't even speak. I just stood there and my companions trying to testify and trying this, you know fight off this guy's attacks, and I could not help him at all because I was such in shock, and I was just shaking. And so we go home. I can't get this guy's words out of my head. They just kept repeating over and over everything he said about the church. I couldn't get him out of my head. And so I go uh, back to our little uh, double white trailer, and I was mad. Like, the, the emotion that flooded over me was anger. And I was angry at my parents. I remember thinking, why did they – raise me in this church and not tell me all this stuff. And I was so ticked off at them. And I realized, you know what? I'm just embarrassing myself out here. I I did come out here to embarrass myself. I'm not doing this anymore. And so I start packing my suitcase and just decide, you know what? I I am in too deep and I didn't sign up for this and I'm I'm done embarrassing myself. So I start packing up my suitcase and um, as I'm, Packing, i see a book of mormon on my bed and i jumped on top of my bed and i clenched the book of mormon with both hands and i remember calling out to god and say is this book true or not i need to know and the next thing that happened was a wave of the spirit hit me and then another wave and another wave for about two minutes the strongest spiritual wave that just kept hitting and every wave just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger And right then, I was told by the Spirit, you have been led here. Like the Doctrine and Covenants in uh, section 112 says, be thou humble, and the Lord thy God shall lead thee by the hand and give the answer to thy prayer. That scripture is one of my favorite scriptures because I realized I had been led to that point as awkward as it was and uncomfortable, and I didn't belong there. I was led there. Something led me out there for that experience at that time. And that's when I knew And I could never deny what I experienced at that time. That was the moment that I was like, wow, it all is true. Everything he says, I don't care what, the critics are going to say, I know it. I can never deny this moment that happened right here, right now, in this little trailer. From that point, I decided, great, I have a testimony. I still have a knowledge of the gospel. So at that point, I just became a sponge. And I soaked up and I studied my butt off. Every morning I'd get up early, every night I'd stay up about an hour late and I would just study and study and study until finally I not only got to the point where most of my district was that came out the same. I felt like I learned so much in that six months and I took it upon myself to catch up for all the slacking that I had done. i catch up and I was on fire and literally that changed everything when I felt like I had that testimony and then I had the knowledge piece and then I was unstoppable. I, I was probably a little bit too full of pride and I was pretty cocky. And so I kind of, for the next six months, got into a lot of bashing, a lot of, you know, fighting with uh, these these preachers and these Protestants. And and I was just guns ablaze and just like, I'm going to prove them all wrong. And about a year out, I had a change of heart when Robert Millett came to my mission and he um, basically talked about what he was doing. And I don't know if you know about what Robert Millett did in the early 2000s, but he would travel around to different churches and he would hold these firesides. And he would basically say, your preacher can ask any me any question and I'm gonna ask them questions. I don't understand about your Trinity. I want you to explain it to me. If you wanna know about the Book of Honor Joseph Smith, ask me, I'm the church, I'm the expert, I'm the doctrine, ask me. And he said, the point of this elders is we had the whole mission there. He said, you think you're going to preach and and baptize the world, and I know how you feel about that. But there are people you're going to meet along the way that can do far more good outside of the church than in. So don't think you have the obligation to just baptize the world and save the world. Like It's okay. If people don't accept the gospel, I want you to take away a misconception, and I want you to replace it with truth. That's how you're going to help these people repent. So that's all I would try to do. And from that point, I had a change of heart. And I, I believe I repented because my mind changed. And that's the definition of repentance is it denotes a change of mind about yourself and about the world in general. And so I saw these people differently. I stopped looking at as a fight every single day. And I started my scripture study with questions. And I started finding questions that I would have. And I would go tracked and I would ask these people my questions hey i read this scripture this morning can you help me understand it i don't fully understand it and all their shields just started coming down to like what you're asking me about a doctrinal question yeah can you help me understand the scripture in the new testament i don't understand i was just reading it this morning and so it brought down the barriers and we were able to connect and you know i was able to meet and befriend a lot of these preachers and still to this day some of the great honors in my life are preachers that still call me up and they'll say, hey, somebody in my congregation was telling me about one of this doctrine uh, of the church. I wanted to call it and verify it with you first. Like, I'm the authority. And i was like, that's cool. But then they've gone as far as, like, defending our church. And, you know, they're nowhere near getting baptized. But they trust me and know that I'm the source of the church. If they want an answer from the church, they call me. And these, you know, friends that I have that are, you know, lay ministers and different Protestants, um, they they've invited me, you know, out to come preach at their pulpit. Will you speak at my church? I haven't done it yet, but just the invitation is like an honor. Like that doesn't happen. Like to to go from how much hatred and animosity they had to me to at the end, like we became friends and we're still friends and we still talk, you know, that's, that's the reward. Like, it's not about the baptism. It's about these friendships that we have and we're able to, you know, build bridges of friendship. Um, and it proves Jesus Christ is divine, is the son of God. And that gave me that that strong witness and that aha moment of, okay, this is why we have the Book of Mormon. It's for him. It's for these brothers and sisters that missed the mark um, on Jesus Christ. So that was kind of how I finished my mission. And it was a really cool experience. I learned so much from that. Um, and coming back, you know, into it, I, I just, you know, kept kept studying, kept being a student of the scriptures, kept having questions. And when this technology wave came of all these people learning new things about Joseph Smith, um, you know, it was was familiar to me because these same tactics that they're using on the internet, this isn't new information. You can go find this information in the library, but no one was going to go research back in the dark corners of the library to find it.
0: And I think it's interesting because you said that he – said, you know, use your mind, not your heart. And that's something that is a common theme with people that um, have been on the podcast that encounter, you know, they're debating online and they're, you know, that's that's a common thing that they say is you can't trust your feelings. You can't trust mm-hmm. your your heart. And so I, th- I think that's interesting that you experienced that on your mission a long time ago. It is the same, it's the same tactics.
1: The antis and the critics, they take away your foundation by shooting it you know they that their main target is joseph smith they don't target the book of mormon as much as joseph smith i think we'd all agree on that they know that he's a flawed man and if they can take him down they evaporate your foundation but the sad thing is they're not replacing it with anything it's right. like tell me about how this is bringing me closer to jesus christ like help me understand what you found. And so, you know, when you see people that have left the church and I I believe that Robert Millett was right when he said, you know, you're going to meet people that aren't uh that can do more good outside of the church than in. The best example I can give you is Tim Tebow. Like Tim Tebow's one of the most incredible human beings ever. And like his platform and um his reach is so much more effective of bringing people to Christ outside of the church. That's fine. I would love to have the opportunity to meet him and we talk about our, you know, testimony of Jesus Christ. And I feel like we can bond with that and we wouldn't, you know, tear each other down or attack and be like, you have to see things my way. That's okay. But I believe, you know, even if your road doesn't come back to the church, when you come back, you need to tell me about, what truth you found that actually brought you closer to Jesus Christ. Really. That's all I care about. If your road doesn't lead you back to Jesus Christ, I might have a problem with that. You know, there's a lot of ways we can be deceived and that's the best test that I can tell is did you become better? Did you, were you brought closer to Jesus Christ? That's all I care about. At the end of the day, I used to be the judgmental person that just said, you know what? You couldn't hack the church. Sorry. Like it just wasn't for you. Now I've kind of, progressed in my thinking and and meeting really good people um, in the last year that have left the church and still found something that brought them closer to Jesus Christ, brought them closer as a family, and great. Like, I'm all for it. I'm going to be, you know, their biggest fan. And, you know, just I feel like that's where we need to get um, and realize that the power of the Book of Mormon is, and in my mind, it's not to bring the anti you know, back to the church. I'm kind of done with casting pearls before swine and getting into the weeds. As Carol Gibbons says, I can tell very quickly if somebody's sincere or if they're bitter and they're looking, you know, to just destroy my faith. I'm just not going to waste my time with it. But the last thing I wanted to to share is I, I did have an experience with the Book of Mormon um, about six months ago that I feel like I wanted to share um, that helped me spiritual experiences that keep me on this path. And this was just another one. And I was going through a really dark time, um, dealing with some depression and anxiety, just a lot of things were going on in my life. And there's a general authority that came to State Conference and his name was Elder Becker. And he was talking about the people that had left during COVID. He was talking about social members. And he said, I need you all to get your roots deeper and your foundation needs to be stronger than it is right now. If you're going to withstand what's coming next. Um, he said, I need you each to commit to read the Book of Mormon for five pages, five pages a day. That's a lot. I feel like I was like, oh man, that's a lot. That's a big commitment. But as I look back, I really haven't read the Book of Mormon in years, um, you know, straight through. So I'm like, all right, I'll take his challenge. So instead of reading it, I actually listened to it. I just started listening to it in my downtime when I was at the gym, when I was driving, instead of social media, I just plugged in the Book of Mormon. So I was listening to it for about two to three hours a day. And then that time, um, I, I actually finished it in three weeks. So I would call it like 30 day challenge. If you want to just take this challenge, just try it. I'll tell you what I found. So I found two things. First thing was there's patterns, in the Book of Mormon, I did it I wasn't aware of. There's language um, in there that keeps repeating itself. Every time the people fall into apostasy, I hear the words, awake, arise, shake off the dust. It kept happening. But those were the words I kept hearing over and over. I thought that was kind of interesting. And then the second thing was my depression, my anxiety, uh, my stress level, the way I dealt with my kids and my family. Um, It was different. Um, and I realized when you're feasting on the word of Christ hours during the day, two to three hours a day, you will swim in the spirit a lot easier. And so I just looked at the fruits that came from that three week experience. And for me, there's a lot of people that, you know, I talk to, I go to lunch with and they've taken Moroni's promise and they're just like, Chris, it didn't work. Like I got nothing. I said, try there. There's gotta be more roads than just Moroni's promise. And so now I tell them, try this, try this 30 day challenge see if it works see if you can see the fruits of the book of mormon did it bring you you know joy did it make you a better person did it bring you closer to christ those are the three questions you can ask and how did these fruits affect you in a positive or negative way because as elder callister said this book either came from god or from satan and you got to figure out what the source was and so for me it's a very easy thing why I believe the way I do and what the, the Book of Mormon really should do. The fruits of it should either make you a better person or if they're making you angry and bitter and less like Christ, then it's probably not you know something that's worth your time and something that's not inspired of God, but you have to find the source. And so that's, that was that second reminder to me, and I've had many reminders and spiritual witnesses, but that was something I needed at that time to bring me out of that funk and be like, wow, the Book of Mormon continues to amaze me because there's so many different ways I, that we can tap into it, and I feel like we're just barely scratching the surface at this point. I mean, we've had it for you know, almost 200 years, and I feel like we're just barely scratching the surface still on the power of this book.
0: I love that. That is amazing. And you I just wrote it down, the 30-day challenge, because I just had the thought, you know, we're doing this book club, and it's every wow. month we have a new book. And I think it would be a good idea to do the Book of Mormon as a book club book and do the 30-day challenge. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I don't like
1: reading. I like audiobooks, So I prefer listening. So listening to me, I just realized like I have a lot of downtime in the car, the gym, like there's a lot of things I could be doing in social media. I'm just like, I'm going to the book of Mormon Every single time I have a down moment, I'm going there and you'll be amazed how fast you can get through it and how much it sinks in the right message because it was different messages. I've read the book more than probably 10 times in my life. Those messages were different when I listened to it in a, in a three week span. Mm.
0: I love that so much. Um, So, I have a couple questions for you if you're open to that. Um, Absolutely. So, you went through this faith crisis on your mission where you're like, these people are saying all these things about the church. They're, you know, they're horrible things. Like, my parents, like, duped me. Like, what? Like, Mm -hmm. you're going through this crisis of faith on your mission. And it's interesting that you said that because I actually have somebody really close to me in my life that just shared with me that they went through a similar experience on their mission with wondering like, is all of this even true that I'm <laughs> preaching? And um. I'm really curious to know what is your advice for somebody who, you know, they are, maybe it's in the MTC, maybe it's, you know, they're, they've they been out on your, their mission for a year or whatever, what would your advice be to somebody that is going through that and they're just questioning?
1: It's a good good question. Um, I would say, first off, there's no real bad reason to go on a mission. Like there's good, better, best. I didn't really have a great reason. My reason was I wanted to get out of my parents' house and I wanted to go have some cool stories out there like that. Like I wanted to think about my life. Like what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? Like I went out there to think. I didn't go out there to save people and serve people. Like that wasn't that was the last thing on my mind. I knew I probably would be doing that, but my motivation wasn't the most pure. Like I just did it kind of for selfish reasons, like I need to think, I need to figure out life, like I just need some space, away for mom and dad at this time. So I would tell people there really isn't a bad motivation. Like, just go. You know, people even like Jimmy Rex outside of the church still encourages, like, just go. I've never met anyone that, like, regrets. Like, man, I really wish I wouldn't have gone, you know, on a mission. that I lost those two years. The skills and the things that you learn about yourself and the talents. Like, I learned so many uh, of my spiritual talents that I had no idea what they were. But I was able to start figuring them out on my mission. I was able to see myself the way God viewed me, and I was able to really see those talents and see this is my purpose. Like This is how God's going to use me when I get home, and had it not been for that mission, my mission, I probably never would have realized that, but just that time of just thinking and dealing with, I mean, just being in the spirit and just testifying until you're blue in the face, even if you don't fully like, do we know if this is true or not? Just that over and over and over that resilience, it builds, you know, a resilience, a discipline, a work ethic. And so really, there's so many skills that you can acquire. Um, it, It would be really hard, I feel like, especially stateside and in the Bible Belt, to come home and not have spiritual experiences and not have a testimony. But at the end of the day, I feel like it was, you know, it's the best time that you can use that two years. I mean, I think they've done studies and to gain that knowledge and the things in a two year span, it would take like 20 years, you know, outside of that little container that they put you in. Mm -hmm. So what a cool social experiment it would be. And I mean, just look at people that did go and they didn't go and just compare them. That's all I did. And like people that, when seem like they have it just more together just life comes a little bit easier they just are better problem solving where you know sometimes the people that didn't you know they have a little bit harder time and then and their life's a little bit more challenging it's not say like you go on a mission and the rest of your life's going to be easy um but you're able to just deal with things in a better way you're able to deal with adversity because you deal with it day in and day out and it builds that resilience for life
0: Yeah. I love that. My husband came home early from his mission. He was episode two on my podcast and he, I mean, he has so much. He talks about that, just pours his heart out about how he wishes he would have finished his mission. And, you know, he got home from his mission and there were a lot of things that were a struggle for him. I mean, addiction Mm -hmm. and all kinds of things. And obviously- You know, God works all things to the good of those who love him. And like, you know, all the horrible things that him and I both went through, I feel like are a gift in our life today to be able to relate with people and help people. But I I love what you're saying. Like going on a mission shapes you for the rest of your life i just yeah. i've heard similar things from my husband and his experience with coming home early so
1: sure and, and he doesn't need to carry that label anymore i feel like there is that stigma that needs to stop they need mm-hmm. to stop saying yeah i went on a mission but i came home early it's like you served a season like my dad served 18 months in japan but that was all that they served back then like right. there's times and seasons for mission COVID was a weird time i talked to a lot of kids that came home early and never went back out after a year. And they're like, gosh, I really like they're married, successful and doing amazing things. But they're like, gosh, I really have this regret. Like, I feel like I need to go finish. I'm like, no, you're done. Like you served mm-hmm. your season. Stop. You know, putting the asterisk by like, I served, yeah. but I came home early, like we need to get that out. And I feel like the church and uh, in general is doing a better job at like rattling around these young men and young women that come home and maybe go back out. But there was they were ostracized when I was, you know, mm-hmm. serving. Like the people that came home, no wonder they're really never came back to the church because really you were ostracized. And it was, it was really awkward for yeah. people that came home early. So during that time, I feel for him. You know, I had friends and I had a friend that got bit by a, in one of my companions got bit by a tick and got Lyme's disease. He had basketball mm-hmm. scholarships. He lost everything. And it's like, man, was he really cursed? And he's like, no, like, it's fine. Like it just happened. But at the end of the day, it happened for a reason. And, you know, he he came home, he got married, and and he's been doing fine. He had to do, you know, a year of physical therapy, and, like, it sucked. But at the end of the day, he wouldn't give up that time for anything. So I really feel like I hope someday they take that word out of their mouth of but you know missionaries that come home early that bothers me and i just feel like you served whether yeah. you served a month or your two-year time doesn't matter you yeah. served and you just need to take those nuggets that you learned and apply them and really the test is what are you doing now like right are you yes. having those same spiritual experiences now i don't care like elder bednar once said you know someone said tell us a cool mission experience like tell us a mission story He said, I am sick of people going back to the mission well to draw on spiritual experiences. He's like, I'm going to tell you a spiritual experience that happened to me last week. Right. So those are the people I look to like I should have missionary opportunities way more frequently. I'm not going to go back to that well over and over again because the well is going to run dry. Right. have new experiences have spiritual experiences yeah. have share experiences like that's what you need to be doing that's how you test like am I really convicted of this gospel or not that's the true test in my yeah. mind
0: there's a quote by um elder ukdorf and I'm gonna completely butcher it but it says that you cannot draw on you cannot continuously draw on experiences from the past you need a steady flow of spiritual experiences and it's so true and Um, and we have to seek those spiritual experiences. We have to be open to them and we have to look for them. And, um, so I love that. Um, okay. I have another question for you. So you have this friend group. I know I have like people who are friends and friends of yours and Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm familiar with them and I, I've seen a lot of people leave. I mean, not in just that group, but in many groups It seems to be kind of the cool, edgy thing to do. And, um, you know, I could get a lot of hate for saying that because everyone has their own spiritual journey and I completely respect and understand that. But that is kind of how it appears, if I am being honest. And um, I'm curious to know, um, with you, you know a lot of these people. And I think also another thing is the mid-singles scene in Utah (laughs) It can be a challenge like to be in the mid single scene and Mm -hmm. you know, I've seen it with a lot of people in my life that are in their thirties and they're still single and they're, they struggle to keep their testimony and they really go through it. And I'm curious to know, you know, what is your thought and what is your perspective on staying strong and staying true to the faith and, um, just any advice you have for people that are surrounded by people that are leaving?
1: Yeah. Um, great question. I was thinking about the, the different groups of people during COVID, uh, that left. And I've, you know, I've been really concerned with it. And that's why I, I go to lunch with a lot of my friends and just kind of see how they're doing. How's your testimony doing mission friends. And so that's something I'm very used to talking about. It's something that always comes up. Um, just because if I'm prompted to just check up on them, and and I try to do it in a a very non-judgmental way um, because I feel like you can definitely turn people off and really you know I I just want to love them and listen and you know try to you know whatever promptings I receive follow up on those Uh, but during COVID I was saying I saw people on the right on the left leave for different reasons but I also saw neighbors and people that had been out of the church for years. I mean, we're talking five, 10 years. And during COVID, they started coming back after COVID. And I was like, what happened? And they just said, we just saw all this crazy stuff happening. And we just felt like this, this might be the end. Like, what's going on here? And so they just said, we just decided we need to get our house in order. Like, we want our kids to be raised in the church. Like, we never stopped believing it. But culturally we just had a bad taste in our mouth or you know whatever reasons there's thousands of reasons people leave they're just like that didn't really mean anything anymore we thought it was like a big deal but it became less of a deal during covid and we just said you know what when this is all over let's get let's get back um so something drove them to come back so i i know we all want to focus on wow it's just a mass exodus of people leaving but i don't think we're giving enough attention to the people that have come back and really there's all of the reasons that you can leave the, the commonality of the reason they come back is the spirit just moves upon them and be Like, Hey, you've been gone long enough. It's time to come back. Yep. We need you back here. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like letting people come back with, we need you warts and all like we yep. don't need these perfect yep. people. Never done anything bad in their life. Like I want people, this is a hospital for sick people. We're not a country club mm-hmm. for perfect people. And so people that left that I've talked to, they often say, I thought it, I had to be all in or all out, Chris. Like if I wasn't a full-time payer and like perfect with the word of wisdom, they say, sometimes I drink with my spouse, you know, I'm really not going to commit to paying tithing. I say, great. I don't care so where you you're are. At. I need you. Yeah. I need you back. Like if the Lord says, come back, come back where you are. Yeah. Don't try to be a hundred percent. I'm not a hundred percent. So like jump in where you are. If you're 10% on tithing, 50% on word of wisdom, you know, you cuss like a sailor. Great. I'm going to love you. Yeah. And I guarantee you, I'm not the one that's going to convert you back. The spirit will start working on you. And slowly you'll do one or two things at a time and you'll, you'll get there. Like mm-hmm. we're all swimming our own race instead of this comparison of like, I'm never going to be as good as this person. If I can be a better version for myself than I was last year, I won. I don't right. need to worry about any of the other contestants in this race. I'm just running against me. Just jump in start swimming and that's the beauty of the atonement and the church is you start swimming as far as you can and if you are like i'm only kidding give 10 percent effort great you know christ makes up the rest and that's the beauty of the gospel and i feel like that would be my you know biggest encouragement is you need to have more spiritual experiences and for the people that are like i've never had spiritual experiences i'm just you know culturally believe like this makes sense you're, you're not going to make it. Like, I need you to have more spiritual experiences. And that, that, that really makes the biggest difference. I can't emphasize that enough of trying to pinpoint what is it that has people stick and convicted of the gospel and its spiritual experiences. So I, I just will repeat that Tom Blue in the face because I'm a very big advocate that really nothing else sticks. And at the end of the day, when I look at God in the eyes and I tell him about those spiritual experiences, I know and he knows that's, that's all that matters. Like he mm-hmm. gave me diamond truth and spoke to me directly. At the end of the day, I don't care what all the critics say. God told me, this is where I need you to be.
0: Yeah. And
1: so until he tells me otherwise, I'm here. Like I'm going to build up his kingdom. I'm going to serve as hard as I can. I'm going to be totally imperfect and inadequate, but I'm going to give it my best shot and he will make up the rest. He'll make up the difference. And he continues to blow away your talents and, and magnify you and, You will do amazing things far beyond your natural capabilities if you just trust him. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds cliche, but you really just have to trust him and swim as hard as you can and not be so timid and stop looking at everyone else because you're going to feel like I'm never going to, you know, measure up. Yeah.
0: I love that so much. Well, we are just right at the top of the hour so I am so thankful for your testimony and just your experience it's so incredible and so needed and I just love that you are a warrior for truth amongst all the things that are crazy happening in this world and you want to stick up for what's right and I just love that and I appreciate you reaching out to me and being on the podcast I'm so I'm so happy that we got to have your story so thank you. Hey, guys. First off, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you to all of you that support the podcast. We wouldn't be able to get this message out without all of your help, so thank you so much. I've had a few questions come in from people that aren't on social media, so I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. It's www.comebackpodcast.org. You can find all of our episodes here. Um, There's a list of our book club selections, and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again. We love you guys so much.